0: dr elliot gan
1: hey, that sounds like someone i know <laughs>
0: what's up brother
1: how's that chilling, man i'm i'm here
0: welcome to the bart cast
1: thanks man it's a pleasure to be here i've been waiting to get on this one it's a
0: pleasure to have you man yeah um how's your day going
1: day's pretty good slept in late after staying up to like four in the morning working yeah. on a beat okay um did some admin work
0: nice
1: uh yeah so uh yeah it's you know it's pretty good i'm here now which is great and um Got a couple other, I don't know, logistical, administrative things to handle today before I get into today's beat.
0: Okay. Are you like a PM? Is that your optimal productivity time?
1: Yeah. Or yeah, I mean, I I probably could do things in the morning if I got to bed earlier, but I've fallen into this. Yeah. I, I tend to be a night productivity person. Although that being said, I can do stuff during the day, but I try to do work during the day as much as possible, the boring administrative stuff. Um, but I can slip into, you know, like, oh, I'll just 10 minutes, 15 minutes, I'll make a beat or I'll do, because mm-hmm. yeah, that's my my main creative thing, uh, aside from like making some, you know, beat videos or video content or, you know, video or whatever. But I'll, I'll, oh, just 10 minutes, just 15 minutes, set the alarm and then hit the repeat button like five to seven to how, who knows how many times if I'm, yeah. I fall into that, creative kind of flow or just get get into it it's a great way to procrastinate and not not get that work done i was talking with my therapist about that yesterday about how frustrating it is Mm -hmm. not getting the the adulting done but yeah um nighttime I, i find that's the time when i i really i do it also because maybe with this 365 you know beat challenge where i make a beat per day for for a year uh come midnight, oh, I gotta get it done before the end of the day. And sure enough, it usually goes into the What's early morning.
0: What's that? To tell me about that.
1: Yeah, so it's a challenge that that some beat makers on social media have been doing for some years. I have a good friend, uh, Felix Otero, AKA DJ Prominent, who's a really dope DJ and beat maker who did it. And there's a certain, I think, kinship among people, amongst like folks who have done it. And it's I started with a 30 day beat challenge, trying to make a beat every day for 30 days when I was in Australia this summer. As a way to hold myself accountable and to develop my skills and really stay on, kind of uh, to try to be prolific as an artist and practice. And I and I teach beat making, so it's not bad to practice these things, right? Yeah. Um,
0: How far in are you?
1: I'm 104, maybe today 105 days. Wow. Um, I might have missed a couple, but I've compensated. How dare you? I know. Well, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to keep that consistency. It's like working out, right? It's yeah. working out your brain and your your mind and creativity. So. Um,
0: Are you averaging seven days a week though?
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and the pro- the thing that makes it even more time consuming is it's not just the, um, the beat, it's I also am making a video for it. So I'm also editing a video and usually I, what I started out doing, this was ambitious and I need to get back to this, was shooting a live performance of the beat, me performing the beat on my beat machine, on my Ableton push. Um, and then that slowly turned into uh, also kind of like a, vid- a vlog, like a, v- a vlog, I guess, of yeah. um, since I was traveling, going all over the place, I was in Australia and other places, uh, shooting video of my day or of just out if I saw cool graffiti in the streets, shooting video, and I had bought an iPhone 13, this is right before the 14 came out, but went from an eight plus to that in order to you you know have a good camera, Uh, and video and have cinematic mode which I also use for documentation of the work we're doing with kids I teach kids beat making that's a oversimplification I'll get more into that later (laughs) yeah but um so to document that and for my own content of making these beat videos because then I would be performing it uh having you know recording the beat to my computer and then syncing that with the live performance of the video and sometimes doing, you know, multiple, two angles, one with the iPhone, one with a, a DSLR. So that was a lot of work. Um, and it became easier to, and you know, more convenient to shoot video of, you know, uh, places where I was, shoot my, myself. Or more so, I, I wouldn't be shooting myself as much as like sites and, and street art and architecture and stuff like that. Because I, like I used- to yeah Marvel stuff. Yeah, it's lifestyle, but also not lifestyle. Um, I mean, I guess, I don't know. How the do you, nicest no I've heard on the podcast. Well, I I mean, I guess lifestyle can be, like, fall under, is a, is a broad category, but yeah. I suppose it is to a certain extent, but I, I like to think it's even more than that. But uh, Freestyle. Freestyle, free lifestyle. <laughs> um, yeah, so just shooting stuff in the streets, shooting wherever I was. Uh, I like abstract Little like micro things too, like the pattern of the um, you know, like this this fabric on the couch, right? And the lighting and the gradient and whatever. So, I, I, I used to do black and white photography and develop and um, print my own stuff in high school, mm-hmm. did color slides, was really into analog photography in high school, and um, gotten to do di- and also gotten to digital stuff in high school as well. Um, but that's always been a passion of mine, and I fancy myself a decent photographer and videographer too. Um, and I've done documentary films, kind of de facto done them. Like I, I used to put on rap battles, MC battles, popping battles. I probably, I definitely at one point in time back in the early 2000s had the largest, I think uh, original catalog and catalog of like rap battles and MC battles and was an MC battle documentarian put on rap battles and MC battles all. Cross the West Coast in the Bay Area, of Southern California. Yeah, we, and then,
0: we discover we have a mutual acquaintance, shout out. Uh, yeah, Borat, Marshall, Payne,
1: Marshall Bo-rat. Payne. Yeah, so I used to take these MCs on road trips in Cali and take them across the country to New York, to the East Coast, to Cincinnati for Scribble Jam and document all this stuff and put it up on the internet. So I had a reputation for that. Um, and that allowed me to do other things internationally, including like an Australian tour. Well, the first time I went to Australia, I did a... MC battle slash beat battle slash lyrical competition tour and documented that. So I've been shooting video, I've been doing photography, kind of multimedia stuff for many years, probably since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um so generating this content is, you know, that's something that I do and I think about. And so the 365 challenge, I would I always imagine my my buddy, he's a good friend and a collaborator and colleague, uh, DJ Prominent, would always have himself in his studio with, you know, with a nice like I don't know, it's a Tamron lens or something like that, and like you know, the lighting, and he's he's definitely helped me with that's
0: that. What, that's what I'm on, right? Right, that's my right. Tamron. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: So I'm I, I'm still using the kit lens, but he's put me up on lighting, and oh. then so I've really learned more about lighting, live streaming, that kind of stuff. So he, I always think about him on his beat machine performing it live, and like nodding his head and vibing out. I was doing that at first, and I think that's good for when you're creating content. People want to see faces and people and equipment and stuff like that. But then I was. It also turned into a vlog of my travels in Australia and uh, Poland, Mexico, uh, Chile, all these other places. Um, so it was a mix of that, and so I've been. But the the point is, I'm getting on this long tangent that <laughs> I not only am ha- making a beat, but I'm also making a video, and I'm editing video to the beat, cutting to the beats of the beat. So uh, it's it's a lot of work, and it's all it's a lot time consuming and um, yeah, but it,
0: I feel you mean like getting one of these podcasts out my yo, goal is to try to record and release one a, one a week. It's a lot of I work. I fail often, but I'm aiming for it. I'm telling you guys, I'm yeah, aiming for it. But it's, it's but it's consistent lot,
1: consistency yeah. is important and, and is. just like, you know, it's just kind of, kind of funny, but I do pretty consistently out of out of 365 days in a year, I'm doing 12 push-ups every morning and it doesn't it doesn't sound like a lot, but here, here, here's the but A I'm doing it every day or almost every day B my form is good so I like to think in the same way that I'm exercising my mind and my creativity by doing these daily beats and I'm also I'm a total plug-in junkie so I buy all these third-party VSC plugins that are like either instruments or filters and effects for I use Ableton uh, Live, and I use in addition to the Ableton Push, which is a controller that's proprietary to Ableton. And then when I'm not using the Push, I um, oftentimes I'll use FL Studio, formerly known as Fruity Loops, and run a lot of these plugins there, which for me inspire my creativity as well. And I think a lot of it's kind of um, uh, like a placebo effect. In a way, when I when I buy a plugin, I use it and then I explore it and it and the GUIs like the graphical user interface, like a lot of these plugins have really cool GUIs. Mm-hmm. So it it makes me feel a certain kind of way. Yeah. Right. And and it gets me into the vibe and I'm imagining that I'm using analog equipment and going for that's kind of an aesthetic that I often go for. So
0: Yeah, I think the mark of any good software platform for creatives is like how easy is it for the creator, the artist, to to get the software out of their way, so yeah, that you can get to that moment of like making something.
1: I spend so much time installing, uh, obsessing over plugins, and like I have so many goddamn plugins now <laughs> that when I go to add a VST, I literally am flooded with a menu with hundreds of items where it can be overwhelming. So yeah. I have a go, I have go to plugins, but then I'm also in order to drive my creative process for doing this daily beat challenge I'm also like okay I'm going to use I figure I'll use a new plugin that I've just got put it to use mm-hmm. so it actually that's a really wonderful thing that's driving this as well is my uh, consumer tendencies of you know wanting more and more and more plugins or whatever it's also driving my creative process and opening me up to new techniques ideas I've been learning about compression and the difference between like an 1176 compressor which is was a, a, a and is a hardware compressor unit versus like a um, an LA-2A or an LA-3A. And I'll be nerding out on this stuff with my fellow producers from, you know, my beat-making community and, and that kind of thing and, and sharing techniques, sharing what new plugins have come out. Oh, have you saw that? Oh, this is on sale, you know? And so like come Black Friday, you know, Cyber Monday or other holidays, we'll be buying absurd amount of plugins and getting the, getting the great deals. Now, the other thing that I've done too um, is every time I'm advertised to on facebook and on instagram it, it and it's all software it's all plugins and drum sounds and hip-hop because that's mainly what i'm producing in terms of content and mm-hmm. what i and what i'm following um so every time i see an ad on my timeline which i feel like is an invasion of my privacy and space and <laughs> exploitation of my until Greek, they hit and, that
0: sacred geometry of like what you really want
1: right and even well, then you're like
0: damn well, you got me you know? well
1: i really but i and i'm really well marketed to but Every, almost every time, if it's something that I want or am interested in, I'll send them a solicitation or a direct message. And, and I have a generic thing that I've typed up, right, that I can change. And it's, it's hardware. I got a free pair of III headphones, which are really nice, like high-grade modular headphones that I use all the time now. Just from sending this this DM response to it saying, hey, this is who I am. I run a nonprofit. Uh, we teach beat making as a therapeutic, educational, and cross cultural intervention all around the world. I just got back from a two month trip to Chile and from Mexico that I organized with the US State Department. And I just did a three month tour in Australia teaching beats to kids in juvenile hall, elementary, you know, community settings, blah, 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 blah. And I do these events and I hope, you know, I host a weekly, you know, live stream beat sample flip beat cipher. Would you be willing to donate? Um, you know, free plugins to my nonprofit and to me to use or a pair of headphones or whatever. You know, I saw, I, I literally, I saw your ad on the, my story or Instagram timeline. And, um, you know, I, this is an informal estimate, but I reckon I have like a 27 to 36% or 40% hit rate or something like that. they usually people are interested. Um, and in these companies I've, Gotten like thousands, thousands of dollars of software donated, not only for me but for the, the instructors in the program who work for my nonprofit. It, equipment donated, so I'm definitely well versed in the um, making asks and you getting know. Swag.
0: I, yeah, I wanted to ask you. Uh, getting back to this challenge that you're on, yeah. Um, how has the like has the anatomy of your beat workflow changed? you know, from day one to now day a hundred, like how has this changed your process and the way that you think about creativity, your, your, your workflow process? Like, have you noticed that the, the, the way that you approach beat making has, has been altered by this?
1: I don't know because I feel like we have habits and kinda ways that we fall into. That being the case, I have tried to push myself out of, out of the box out of my box and my usual de facto kind of, I'm going to make a 86 BPM boom bat beat, right? I've actually tried to make a drill beat or have made a couple drill beats. They're not very good, but it's forced me to learn and ask for help and what teach myself. Um, I literally was just on an Instagram call on a, with one of the folks from my producer community, this guy named Soul City, who's an absolutely phenomenal beat maker, who has spent hundreds if not thousands of hours watching jazz videos and rock videos of like the best drummers and bassists and studying their cadences and, and like how they play the bass and how they, in order to then emulate it on the computer. And then I sent a video, I sent him last night's beat video and said, hey, I mean, I, I it was a, what do you call it? What are those, um, like a, a cheesy tagline on on a video, like a where it'll be like, you know, I put, I put like, is this trash mm-hmm. or is it just grimy boom bat? Which is yeah. kind of you know, kind of hyperbolic. Just SEO bullshit. or whatever. But that's yeah, what
0: you got to do today to to, to get people right, to click right. Boom.
1: Whatever the uh, the fishing or whatever the whatever the hell the, the terminology, some terminology for it that. I'm I'm forgetting whatever it is. Clickbait. It's, it's funny. Clickbait, th- or,
0: it's funny with that like. I think that there's a real generational difference between like people of our I'm guessing you're a millennial like myself. I'm on I'm on the border. On the cusp, right? Uh, yeah. A couple years older than me. Yeah. But still like we have a similar aesthetic to the way yep. that we grew up the values yeah. with with regards to media and content. And what I've learned in talking to like Gen Z kids and even, you know, younger ones, there isn't the same like cringe factor when it like I think a lot of people don't even see those banners Mm -hmm. like they don't really carry the emotional weight that it might for like you or I Mm. and instead it's just kind of like part of the form part of communication and like, and
1: like the discourse
0: I've been trying to figure out like in my own way how to remain authentic but also utilize this not not as an aesthetic choice but as a thinking of it more like a subject line on an email.
1: Right, right. Yeah. So I did something like that. I sent him a DM asking for feedback on it and you know, to get him to check out the video and see if he and other people had feedback. And I actually got feedback from several different folks. And so he he actually took the time out of his day to call me and said I was writing you a longer response, I'm just going to call you and tell you. And it led to like a half hour discussion where I was actually taking notes on technical and aesthetic aspects of the feedback he was giving me based on his style. And he, I've had him do a masterclass for our global beat cypher is our, is the live stream that I do the weekly um, live stream. And I've had him do a, a, like a private masterclass that we have a private link video for that I share with people. It's you know free, whatever um, it's three hours. <laughs> so getting, getting some sp- very specific critical feedback on the beat that I posted and on You know, technique and technical stuff that I'm then going to try to implement today. And, but there's, you know, there's a certain certain amount of being stubborn and falling into habit and what I'm comfortable with that I fall into, but I'm also simultaneously trying to step out of that and do different things. Um, So it's a mix. Is there a change in my workflow? Yes and no. I'm still using the same programs and equipment. I have new plugins that I'm trying to test and use. I'm learning about some new techniques, but there's a, you know, I I tend to make a boom bap beat, a sample chopped boom bap beat or a loop-based boom bap beat. I tend to articulate with um, a lot of melodic and harmonic stuff and can try- you, Sorry to interrupt you, but can yes. you just
0: explain to the, the audience yeah. what a boom bap beat is? Okay. I love them, you yeah, love yeah. them, but I'll, I'll people articulate. may not.
1: It's old school hip hop, like uh, in, its, in its traditional form where boom is the kick drum on a drum set and a bap is usually a snare drum. So it'll go boom 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 bat right would be a typical boom bat drum programming as opposed to trap or drill is more like 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 that faster tempo or slower tempo de- depending on how you look at it um with different aesthetics so a boom bat beat would be like you know hip-hop hooray right or anti up mm. or i even think even though it's hyphy white girl by e40 mm. is a boom bat beat to me and it samples uh, uh, run DMC. Um, but I, I was always
0: curious cause and you're, you're the expert here, but in my mind, I always thought of boom baps as being like that kind of like mid to late nineties exactly. gangster rap beat versus like, would you even consider like naughty by nature, totally. those early nineties yeah. beats, boom bap, Bo- boom
1: bap tribe called quest de la soul. Okay. Um, Everything I like, everything you like, <laughs> because
0: all the dad hip hop, yeah,
1: that's the that's da- like dad dad hop or dad uh, hip hop because it's the that our our break beat the boom boom kat the boom boom is the equivalent of now a, a Gen Z and this is outdated because a generation has passed but hearing a trap beat and hearing an eight oh eight in the same way that you and I hear a dirty funk loop mm-hmm. uh, break. Like breakbeat, just the drums is like I see the same engagement of the nervous system and the emotional reaction that we have, that we grew up in the associations that we have to it in the way that kid, when kids hear an eight oh eight kick drum, or like the the trap snaps or whatever, or now or now drill right the gliding eight oh eights, right like that kind of stuff. I'm doing terrible imitation. This is but. The same way that they light up and respond to it and become excited and invigorated and inspired and react to it and dance to it, the same way that you and I would like nod your head to a boom bap beat, right? An 80 to 100 BPM beats per minute and that's tempo, how fast the track is. You know, that's like mid-tempo, whereas trap and drill tend to range from, if you're looking at it from a double time perspective, like 115, 120 beats per minute up to 145, 150 but they're also at double time. Okay. You'll have like, dong, kah, dong, dong kah. like, but that's kind of trap yeah. versus drill is more sporadic. <laughs> like, and then the gliding, you know, drills become incredibly complex in terms of the drum programming. So mm-hmm. for me, those boom bat beats, you know, like that, that's my native language and de facto place I go to. I have been making boom trap, which is a hybrid of using like analog, real boom bap sounding drums, but programming trap style double time, you know, or quadruple time hi hats and triplet hi hats or like, like those are triplets, right? Throwing those in, but doing and using samples like soul samples or stuff that you'd usually hear on like boom bat beats, but mm-hmm. doing, kind of lower tempo, like 72 BPM, 68 BPM, 72, like that kind of thing, or double time, 120, 140.
0: And you got to pitch it up, right? Like that's
1: yeah, you could, <laughs> yeah, well, pitch it up, or I, I pitch up. I also pitch down it a row, lot. you just pitch to, it. To make it. Yeah, to make it kind of ethereal and groggy and, you know, chopped and screwed, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I play with pitch a lot. I pitch up the samples or pitch it down, not only for copyright, but to flip the sample to kind of make it my own and reinvent it and grab lower frequencies and, you know, filter and, and, and tweak it and flip it. And that's part of the whole thing that we're doing with this global beat cypher is giving a sample pack of old samples from around the world, from different cultures and musical genres. And then what can you do with that? How can you flip it? Cause to flip in hip hop is to remix to like, but flip something on its head, really change it. And, recontextualize it and like, how can you flip it? How can you make it different? What's your own creative spin? So for me, I'm using my techniques as well as trying to incorporate in and learn new techniques from other producers like Soul City on this phone call today. So I'm gonna try now doing his suggestion of my kick drum, like the boom, right? On the one and the three, where it typically would be in most boom bat beats, trap beats, and you'd have a kick on the one and the three. So like boom, that, boom, bat. So I'm going to try that, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the, um, the bass, the sample and the hi hats that, t- and I'm going to nudge them over by like a 16th note or a 32nd note, a very slight little, very small bit in order to give it a kind of a little bit of a syncopation to mm-hmm. then use this soul city technique, right. And try it out and to force myself to step outside of my usual way of doing things in order to try to experiment and, and, you know, see where that takes me and, and kind of, I don't know, reinvent my style or imagine it a little differently. Um, so yeah,
0: I want to jump back to something you said just a moment ago that really kind of piqued my curiosity, which was you were talking about this kind of generational difference in the way people subjectively experience these genres or mini genres, sub genres of hip hop. Yeah. Now, for those of you out there that aren't aware, you know, Dr. Gann is, you're also a Licensed psychologist.
1: Yeah, I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, uh, psychotherapist, I, and I'm executive director of a nonprofit that does therapeutic beat making. So, so yeah, I want to jump into that. Yeah, like what yeah.
0: what uh you know, what caused you to 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 merge these two passions together, and and you know, in clinically, how have you seen, um, you know, the effectiveness of of merging these things in, into one. Sphere. How does that? How does that come into play for you?
1: So it's it's the blending of and the synth the synthesizing of my two passions, right, or many passions. And hip hop has always been therapeutic and empowering and um, educational in nature since its inception. Literally, it's gonna it's you know fifty years ago now in the the South Bronx of New York City, um, and it, you know black and brown marginalized folks were empowering themselves. Dealing with a white supremacist system, and you know, a bunch of kids in the streets who were caught up in gang warfare found a way to uh, channel their aggression and expression and creativity and joy and all that kind of put it all together to create what we call now, you know, hip hop culture, and stop fighting and instead, you know, battle. Right? And this is a total oversimplification of the history of hip hop, but it's always been creative. It's always been a response to trauma and, uh, and oppression, um, just like the blues was and jazz and a, and a, you know, different kind of cultural inputs mixing together and creating this new hybrid and output. Um, so I'm highlighting the therapeutic aspects that already exist in it. I'm, I'm pointing to different kind of cultural aspects. I'm pointing to neurophysiological, psychological, mental health, therapeutic aspects. Um, and I'm highlighting certain things and suggesting certain kind of a methodology, a way of doing it, and also a way of understanding it that ties in. Um, interpersonal, interpersonal neurobiology, understanding how we respond to each other on a, a biological and neurophysiological level uh, as mammals with limbic systems and designed as social creatures, et cetera. And we regulate each other, we co-regulate each other. We calm each other down when we become dysregulated or have a trauma response or anxiety response or whatever. Um, so I'm, I'm looking at understanding all of that but also coming at it from the pr- perspective of like a, a hip hop practitioner, or someone who you know lives and breathes and loves hip hop and beat making and music and um, music production and the culture of hip hop. Uh, and so how does it work? Well, the, I'll, I'll just break down the therapeutic beat making model really quickly. So mm-hmm. I got, and, and, and I want to acknowledge folks who have pioneered the field of hip hop therapy, which has been around for like almost three decades. Um, Dr. Edgar Tyson coined the term. Uh, he's from New York City and was a social worker who was using it. Uh, there's other folks, and you know, originally I, I got down with Beats Rhymes and Life here in the Bay Area and studied them for my dissertation uh, in my clinical doctorate program. I Can already you just
0: was- briefly say what that was. Oh, uh, Beats, Beats Rhymes and R- Life. Oh, Beats, R- Beats Rhymes and Life. Not be now, confused with now, the Tribe album, right?
1: Now <laughs> known as BRL Inc. is a hip hop therapy organization based in Oakland that's been doing pro- prominent, like predominantly rap like focusing on the rap aspect and freestyling and writing lyrics as a therapeutic intervention and as a as a therapeutic modality. Um, my organization, uh, Today's Future Sound focuses on beat making as the pri- primary modality in what we use and is also an educational, you know, and therapeutic kind of melange mix or whatever. But the therapeutic beat making model, which I've developed over the past, I would say 20, you know, something years, basically says there's three ways in which beat making and you can apply this to other like hip hop aspects too, like rapping around right? but beat making in particular the three ways in which it's therapeutic the first is the relationship um that having a beat machine something that looks cool that you can hit that's in, like everyone I've ever come across just about and there's hundreds of thousands of people I've worked with across the globe across many like 20 plus countries six continents everyone's intrigued by the glowing buttons on my beat machine in the Ableton push and the, the fact that I can make a beat in under two minutes and like it's very engaging, it's immediate. And that's the entry point. That's a way of engaging people and pulling them in, kids and adults alike, but particularly kids, right? And the relationship is the number one predictor of therapeutic, positive therapeutic outcome in any therapeutic intervention or modality. Um, so using a non-threatening, culturally responsive, a culturally familiar and fun active kinesthetic bodily musical way of expressing and engaging and, and making noises and doing something actively is really powerful. And so we can use that instead of doing traditional talk therapy, which can be very anxiety provoking and culturally unfamiliar. It's a very Eurocentric way of approaching things. And, I, and I'm in my own talk therapy. I think it's great. and It's amazing. Yeah. But I think for many people, um, non-white and white folks alike, it can be, uh, really powerful and it doesn't strip away your defenses in the same way. It's a creative generative thing and it's a way of establishing establishing a relationship in a really non-threatening, fun, expressive way that's culturally familiar. So there's the relationship, the mm-hmm. relational aspect, and then um, the relational domain, the second kind of do- domain or dimension I talk about is the expressive domain. There's two main ideas here. One, that we can express difficult to articulate feelings experiences, sensations, especially related to trauma, doesn't have to be just trauma, but um, through non-verbally through the beat making musical process, and this is kind of, you know, people talk about this all the time, Um, but we can articulate it and Freud had this idea of catharsis where this, this release of aggressive energy that's articulated when you can speak it or express it and kind of let go of it and there's a release that happens. There's also this idea of, rhythmic regulation, that repetitive patterns and repetitive movements and rhythms, when we sync to rhythm, whether it's like the wheels on the bus going round and round, right? Or walking or hitting to, you know, You know beat pads, uh, you know, with rhythmically repetitively over a sustained period of time. For some people, it's fifteen seconds; it's immediate. For some people, you have to do it for two minutes. And listening to repetitive beats can calm down our nervous system. We're designed uh, to have it do that, and to be regulated by rhythms, but also the rhythm of the regulating rhythms of interacting with people, right, and being co-regulated by someone that can help calm you down if you're dysregulated. So we have one the relationship two the expressive domain, which includes rhythmic regulation and this release and articulation of aggression and difficult hard to articulate feelings, things we may even be unaware of, um, and this release through it. And three is the idea of self-concept, how we view ourselves, uh, how we are in relation to ourselves, right? And I'm thinking in terms of self-concept about both self-esteem, how we feel about ourselves in comparison to our ideal sense of self, like the Superman version of ourself, the most fantastic that will never be. But you make a dope beat, you feel a little better about yourself. You get positive feedback from your peers for that. You feel better about yourself. Do the dishes, do your homework, do a good job in the soccer game. You know, you come closer to your ideal sense of self. Freud talked about like this ideal sense of mm-hmm. self.
0: I call mine my fire wizard.
1: Yeah, your fire record. wizard. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So- um that self-esteem, which is boosted by, by learning, mastering new skill sets, making beats, making a dope beat, producing something, having an impact on others, right? And then this impact on other idea, this idea of self-efficacy, that we have agency, right, and that we can impact others and, and have kind of a social impact uh, and get positive feedback from others is also really important and this idea of autonomy, controlling yourself, controlling your body, being able to go out and do things in the world, super important, right? Self-determination theory is another thing that's connected to that. And it says, and so I'm trying to help people, kids mainly, but people in general as well, adults to access their creativity, discover it, and to be able to, and to say yes to them instead of saying no, Like, like, don't do that. No, yes, do that, hit that button. Oh, how does that feel? Which kick drum do you like? It, it seems like a very small thing, but to give someone a child who's normally told "sit in your seat, don't have you know outbursts of creativity or say stuff or do stuff or do pencil beats or whatever um, in class because you're being disruptive or you know do this, learn the curriculum and you know don't be a kid." Right? Exactly. Don't <laughs> be because they essentially we're socialized. I think oftentimes to not be creative and to not access. Mm-hmm. Our imagination and kind of free associate. So to to say, yeah, do that. I'm going to give you some structure for it. But hey, which what do you like? Who are you? What do you identify with? Which one of these kick drums speaks to you and resonates with you, metaphorically and you know literally too? Um, and giving choice and saying, okay, which who are you? What are you about? What's what's your opinion, right? And helping people to find their narrative, their creativity, to make something. Give them the structure. To do it, uh, balancing that with also giving them their creative uh, input. And what I find most of the time is that, like 99% of kids, you know, either nine or 10 years or 11 years old uh, or 11 years old or older will struggle to A, come up with a name for their song and B, to come up with an alias for themselves. Mm. And so I'm trying to help them to access their creativity, their free association. Um, and to learn to tap into that and to, to exercise that and enjoy that and use that in a creative and productive way to also help them cope with stress, anxiety, trauma, process that in a safe environment. Um,
0: is to, that something that you bring into your, like early on in the process or is that- It's like,
1: immediate, it's baked in. And, so like and yeah.
0: pretty early, you're like, we're gonna get your alias, we're gonna get your song name. Yeah, as, as
1: or- soon, oh, so, so we're like, I, I'm really proud that I can in a span of half an hour – it's not a lot of time, but I can do that sometimes less some, or, or an hour – help someone to make a fully arranged beat. And when, I'm, and when you're saving it, when I'm saying this is part of my pedagogy in the therapeutic beat making methodology, okay, what are we going to call this beat? I'm saving it. And it goes in the file name. What's your producer name? Mm-hmm. Okay, John John Beats or you know, Nasty Wild mm-hmm. Fresh Beats dash song name. And if it's multiple kids, which it often is, what's each one of your aliases? I, I was working in, in Chiapas in San Cristobal de las Casas in Chiapas in, in Mexico, in Mexico and, um, in May or June doing a volunteer project there, Team Beats Mexico. We got a grant from the U.S. State Department and Partners of the Americas went down there, dropped off a beat machine. We're training the, the line staff at this nonprofit and art teachers and music teachers. I was working with, with these three kids. They're so cool. And I got pictures of them working mm-hmm. with them. And they, had, they came up with the coolest fucking names, man. They, one of the kids, I was like, what's your name? And he goes, Walker Azul, <laughs> fuck yes. Walker I'm thinking Azul. like Texas, Texas yeah. Ranger, Walker. Yeah. Walker Azul.
0: Yeah, I could see that Black, on a lineup.
1: Black Electronics. And I think it was Santa Fe Siete or something like that. It, they were the dopest fucking names. And I was, I was like, yes. And it was so cool to see these little guys like nine, 8, 9, 10 years old just be able to tap into that creativity and come up with something that was so resonant and sounded dope and was them and theirs. And I'm like and – then, and then you call them by their producer name. Mm-hmm. And it's a certain validation and authenticity and allowing someone to be creative and have – an alias, to recreate themselves independent of everything else they're known as socially within the, their nuclear family, extended family, community, and reinvent themselves on their own terms and have their own narrative and do their own non nonverbal narrative through beat making. Um, there was a, a, a Bay Area beat making series called Speak with Beats, which is a brilliant name for a series. You can still watch it on YouTube, but I think about that, like speaking with beats, talking you know, with beats, non-verbally, musically, and so that's one of the things that I'm uh, that I'm really set on, that we're really set on, and that we do, and we specialize in at Today's Future Sound, which is my nonprofit based here in Oakland. But we do stuff internationally. We, we you know, I did Team Beats Chile in 2022 as well. We got a, a U.S. State Department and Partners of the Americas grant to go down there, work with Chilean beat makers and Chilean hip hop artists, give them beat machines, Ableton controllers, do beat ciphers, beat battles beat workshops for kids, and, and just to see it, I've seen it happen so many times, and, and I, I I gotta get going, because I gotta work on a mm-hmm. grant, um, an Oakland Cultural Funding Grant with my, my grant writer, but, uh, but we're, we're providing free beat ciphers and workshops in Oakland, and for kids, for adults, intergenerational ones, and then opportunities for beat makers to come and play their beats live. I do that not only on the live stream every Saturday night, um, the Global Beat Cipher, but also Beat Cipher OAK, oakland-based beat cypher for bay area artists to come play their beats out loud for each other and share it and then have like headline performers so gotta do that but um shit where was i going with this i was uh i was gonna say something about i don't know creativity or or something beat making oh around the world i don't know i i I mean i could talk about this shit for days
0: um the last question that i had was and i know you we're, we're getting up on your time but um in your in the clinical setting, is it generally one-on-one or is it group? Or
1: So I've foregone doing a typical private practice. I, I did do some kind of private practice-y kind of stuff like doing um, some one-on-one therapeutic beat-making sessions with youth, particularly youth that have uh, serious trauma and have struggled with drug addiction and drug abuse. I did that for two years for a private company for four uh, – they're like group homes in L.A. that are run by a private company. Working with kids struggling with addiction, um, substance abuse, self harm, a lot of LGBTQIA plus. I'm not sure what the correct term is now, but like I'd say, a good two thirds to three quarters of the kids definitely identified as that. Um, so I was doing that until August. Uh, have had private clients that I do that with, but the main thing that I do and is running the nonprofit as an administrator. Um, I'm now probably going to be doing work more work in the juvenile hall we do we work in the alameda county juvenile hall and have done that for about seven or eight years run a therapeutic beat making program there and help the kids put out beat tapes looks like we might be doing it in san mateo county as well so i'm going to be probably doing that but um i do a lot of consultation presenting internationally training uh public in in like public school districts and i've been doing stuff in like Stanislaw county and also in um Kings County in in, uh, Central California, working in the South Bronx at a hip hop therapy um, studio program that my buddy runs and teaching beats out there. I've been doing that for like three or four years working in the Department of Education there, but doing kind of consultation gigs as well as some regular gigs, but really facilitating getting hip hop artists and beat makers into elementary, middle and high schools, into community settings, into juvenile hall settings, into those different settings, and also doing this hip hop and and cultural diplomacy in other countries and knowledge sharing and collaborating with other artists and hip hop therapists, trauma therapists around the country and internationally in Australia. I do a lot of work and work in a lot of schools and Uh, prison settings and community settings there. So really trying to spread the methodology, justify it, not only for clinicians like myself, but also for artists, teaching artists who are kind of intuitively doing this or or doing it as a, what I would call a therapeutic as opposed to therapy proper, therapy proper, you have to be licensed. Um, So no one should be going around saying that they're doing therapy unless they're state licensed. You should, I believe you should be saying that you're doing something therapeutics, you're doing But yeah, allowing artists to be doing therapeutic arts interventions or just doing their art with kids and Mm -hmm. justifying it and saying this is why it's therapeutic, this is why it's valuable, this is why it's educational, advocating for change within therapy and educational systems. Um, and advocating for the value of the arts and music because we know it's therapeutic, we know it's educational, we know that we need it, we know that it's an important way of creating cultural glue and, and bringing people together in really healthy, and constructive, uh, productive, pro-social ways, and helping to create understanding both in between ourselves and other cultures and whatever kind of gaps we can come up with, linguistic, geographic, cultural, racial, so-called racial, ethnic, religious, whatever, um, but also within ourselves too. And finding, tapping into our own creativity, using finding our own voice and using that to relate to ourselves in healthier, more positive ways. And then that in turn will have uh, implications for the kind of interpersonal in between people as opposed to just the interpersonal in between ourselves. So um, yeah, I could, talk all day about this <laughs> maybe Fair you'll enough. give me a hopefully you'll give me a part two but yeah um, yeah
0: we we might have to come in and, and actually have some beat making as part yeah of it. maybe absolutely. you can put me let's do it through your uh let, you know through your process that so i get to be the, the the therapy and you know yeah treat we'll, me we'll, as one of your kids you okay <laughs> we'll
1: we'll we'll treat you as a as a you know an interested artist who, exactly. who's down to learn and
0: yeah. i got my npc stashed under there you got so.
1: your you got an alias Oh, we're gonna have to work on that. We'll we'll we'll, we'll work yeah, on yeah. I mean, it. my yeah.
0: MC alias, because I I was it. You know, growing up, I wrote a lot of rhymes. And yeah, yeah, all yeah, A bunch of stuff. I always went by Quills.
1: Quills, that's dope. But you know, maybe your beat making alias might be different because Doctor
0: Hobart's the other one. That there one we I'm go. Like write with so. Doctor Hobart. There, there you go. You. Know. Okay. But uh, hey,
1: Elliot, dude, thanks for coming
0: on, man. Hey,
1: thank you I, for having appreciate me. Appreciate
0: your time. Yeah. And uh, real quick before we go. How can people find and connect with you? What are what are the best ways to get in touch Pew. to learn more? All about right, this? so
1: um, on Instagram, I'm at Philip Drummond, P H I L L I P D R U M M O N D. You can also follow at Today's Future Sound. Uh, I recently joined TikTok, and I think I'm Filthy Drummond on there. I think I think it's that uh, instead of Philip Drummond, P H I L T H Y. Drummond, D-R-U-M-M-O-N-D. I'm also uh, at Filthy Drummond on Twitter, on all other social media platforms, Philip Drummond with two L's, two M's, uh, P H I L L I P D R U M M O N D on like Facebook and YouTube and stuff like that. Today's Feature Sound is, you know, that on all the social media platforms, aside from Twitter, it's TFS underscore beats. You can also search for hashtag Uh, Global Beat Cypher, Cypher spelled with a Y, so G-L-O-B-A, did I spell it? G-L-O-B-A-L, Cypher, C-Y-P-H-E-R, Global Beat Cypher. Okay. Yeah, Um, yeah, and and go to todaysfeaturesound.org. My website's filthybeats.com. And yeah, man, therapeutic beat making, that's a hashtag I also use uh, for hashtag, Tales of a Traveling Beat Doctor. Nice. So uh, yeah, that's on, you know, my Instagram and other stuff. But yeah, um, feel free to hit me up. Uh, Feel free to contact us. Um, I love sharing knowledge and love supporting artists. We do the Global Beat Cipher pretty much every week, and that streams on our social media on Today's Future Sound, Facebook, on Twitch, on YouTube on twitter uh, we joke about it streaming on linkedin i don't think it's ever actually worked <laughs> and it used to do it into the the basement of periscope but they're they're gone now so it goes on to twitter as well so yeah right on bro oh, well
0: dude thanks for coming on man
1: yeah i appreciate you man, we'll, we'll, we'll
0: have to do this again and
1: when we down have a more time cheers
0: love you guys thank you
1: respect Peace.